0: Friends, welcome to episode 171 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop roleplaying game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are you doing, Rob? uh i think i'm okay yeah i think so i'm a little less dusty i feel like uh i feel like this episode's going to be another therapy episode for you because you've had a lot going on recently. i have
1: i really have i've had a ton of stuff happening my house is under uh, kind of under construction sort of <laughs> it's, looking uh, much, it's looking a lot better yeah no it is looking much better i no longer have holes in my ceilings and that's a good thing you can only have mold in your ceiling <laughs> that is also true that yeah. is also true so yeah so. Yeah, it's the it's the big bucks that we make off this show that's helped rebuilding my house. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all those huge... Huge. Huge. Shout out to our patrons. We yes. love you. Yes, <laughs> we
1: love you, and it it pay, helps us it, pay it the bills. It really because, does. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, no, we're not there. Not, not in the least. That's why we both have day jobs. Yeah. So,
0: so uh, amongst the, uh, uh, the things that we had going on this last week, I had my game over the weekend.
1: Yes. Yes, you did. And it was after uh act one closed yep Yep. for for, formally and our little hiatus on my little adventure Mm -hmm. uh and you were really concerned about coming back into this and making sure all the pieces went into play yeah
0: uh i was i was talking with a friend of ours um actually one of our one of our patreons veteran uh Mm -hmm. who uh had a big kind of gathering over his place over the Mm -hmm. weekend Mm -hmm. and uh uh i think he put it quite succinctly when he said um uh, my, my my tension over getting this especially this first game mm-hmm. of the new the new act going was that uh, if I didn't lay the foundation right the whole thing's gonna be cracked and tilted. Yep. Uh and so just had a lot of a lot of nerves about like there's like five plots going on and I'm trying to balance them all and that's a lot more than I usually do. Yeah, how's that going for you? Uh it's stressful. Mm-hmm. It's stressful and mm-hmm. I don't like it but mm-hmm. uh I feel like it's it's what I also owe to my players. And I feel like if I'm not trying to stretch my legs as a storyteller, what am I even doing here? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're not moving up, you got to be moving out. So,
1: not to say that everyone has to run multi-thread ridiculous plots. No, bread no, and no. butter still
0: works just my, fine. My point is, you should always try to push yourself a little bit if it is something you love it is something you enjoy you want to excel at Mm -hmm. you should instead of getting comfortable behind your boundaries should try to push them a little bit every so and then yeah yeah but again explore explore growth try try to reach a little beyond what you did last time
1: yeah or don't and just enjoy yourself i mean sometimes you just need to rip off and and do like a murder spree it's it's fine that's fine that is fine as well and it is now our second storyteller of the month, which means that it's our System Spotlight. System Spotlight. Now I am not gonna say that Mistborn is a murder hobo game.
0: <laughs> but, I mean Mistborn is not a murder hobo game. It is not.
1: It is it is murderous. There is definitely murder that happens in Mistborn. Sure. But, but there's
0: murder that happens in
1: most games. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh but uh to say that this is not a was not a welcomed game, mm-hmm. um, because of the series that predates a Bolt trifecta series, because three, it's, it's it's a trilogy, yeah. it's a trilogy uh, well, of it... trilogies.
0: It's a, yeah, it's, it's uh, so I, I want to say, and somebody here. What's going to be? Let's let's get that right here. I got I got two people in the live chat who can answer this one for me. But uh, I know as of the time of the printing of the role playing game, the first of the next trilogy was out of the second trilogy. Correct. I believe that trilogy has been completed now. The Alloy of Law trilogy. Yes. Um, and I believe there are. Th- Three more books planned after that.
1: Right, which is uh, 25 to 27 is is what we're looking on those. So we had The Final Empire, The Well of Ascension, and The Hero of Ages – which was the first trilogy? Yeah, At we least, then
0: I, we should we should add some context. I think we're we're breaking into things without giving people information. Here. I suppose they're based off the Mistborn books by Brandon Sanderson.
1: If you if you don't know who that is, you know you might as well just stop listening. No, no <laughs> we're not going to get that. We're gonna we're gonna bring it to you and and tell you about the world here soon. Um, but it's it's a prolific series written by a single author, mm-hmm. which is different. Like usually, once you get a setting that's this grand, like. Mm-hmm you know, especially one that is high fantasy, that's very accepted, it usually kind of turns into its own thing that people build off of. Um, And I've seen that a lot more where you'll have either a mix of writers or you'll have people write short stories that addem to things. Like, I'm not gonna. I, I could generally use Forgotten Realms or Dragon, you know, Dragonlance or anything uh-huh. like that, where you might have gotten a few different authors who wrote different pieces to it, and people kind of clamored to it because it kept the series going. I kind of almost akin this based upon uh, the feeling that I get from it and the fervent of uh, fervency of the people who read these and love them and talk about them, that it almost reminds me of someone like the Warhammer 40K no- novelization where you've got this really strong core of a world and and setting and then people clamoring to want more
0: out of it. Well, I think people clamoring to want more, but I don't I don't know that it's as prolific as that, that that other people are going to be writing for it. Um and especially being that Do drank- not
1: look up the fanfic.
0: Well, <laughs> No, I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure there's fanfic out there. I'm just saying is that not, not any published works or anything like that. Um, I mean, and you got to keep in mind too, that Brandon Sanderson's whole, like all of his fantasy series, um, are tied together into a, uh, a grander setting called the Cosmere mm-hmm. where like there's different planets. Basically, this is just, uh, Scadriel is just one planet that this stuff is going on, mm-hmm. um, there's a whole grand cosmos and like multiple threads that tie all these things together. Uh, and you so, say some of my worlds are a little messed up with the crap that I've got going on. I mean, it's not mutually exclusive. That's true. Like, That's true. That, <laughs> doesn't, true. that doesn't also mean that Brando Sando, as we call him in the industry. Oh, God. Uh, that Brandon Sanderson doesn't, uh, come up doesn't try entirely too hard. So, uh,
1: so Bo Burham, I'm sorry, Brian, Brandon Sanders, Br- Brando Sando? Brando Sando, oh, geez, yeah. Well, you can right. call him Brando. We're all friends here. That's fine. Yeah. So, uh, he wrote all these things up through, I think right now, Twenty he finished a book in twenty twenty two. So or at least released in twenty twenty two was the last one we have. We now have the new series which is starting in twenty twenty five. Um or releasing in twenty twenty five. But in twenty eleven, which was the which was at the same time as the second series was starting, the Mistborn Adventure game was published. Yes. So it really only the the data within it really encompasses the first three. The first yes, set. yes. it is it is um, the, the
0: based on the first trilogy.
1: But there is some stuff that got added to it, um, which uh, within the sublet. So they created a supplement called uh, uh, Terrace Rot, uh, Rot of Copper, which mm-hmm. was released in 2014. Um, then a second supplement, which was Alloy of Law, which mimics the book Alloy of Law in name. Yes. Uh, only. Uh, and then you have uh, uh, the Ska Tin and Ash. And then Alloy of Law, which was the mask of the past. So they had four supplements that went with this adventure game that was released between 2014 and 2017. Mm-hmm. Which is great because that added some material, gave some more breadth, and and, and, and gave some more feeling yeah, uh, of where things were ending. What's interesting about this in, in this whole setting uh, against this book is it really doesn't tell you where you need to be in the history of the book series.
0: No, in fact, it does a really good job of uh, kind of giving you options. Um, even uh, towards the end of the book, they have uh, character templates for all of the main characters yeah. you meet in the books. Yeah. Um, Kelsier, Vin, etc etc et cetera. Et cetera. Um, and uh, they have a little section in there for playing this character, having this character as an ally, what that might look like in your game having this character as an enemy mm-hmm. in your game, it, if, if your paths cross or something like that, you may end up with them on the opposite side. Sure. And a section that they say, what if? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what if this character didn't die? Or what if this character didn't accomplish this major goal? Or what if this character, you know, uh, chose to side with, you know, this party A instead of party B mm-hmm. uh, in, in the books, you know? And so they actively encourage you to make the world of Mistborn your own mm-hmm. and to tell alternate stories that don't adhere to um, the official timeline.
1: Which is fantastic. Uh, and, and Brando was part of that. He, in epically
0: writing throughout
1: this book are yeah. little blurbs. And I'm going to read only one of his statements and it was from the beginning of the book that I mm-hmm. think really helps. And that is, uh, and this, this was directly written by him, uh, when the game developers and I were initially chatting about a Mistborn RPG... One of the things that we all wanted was a storytelling focus. Those are my favorite types of gaming systems, and Mistborn Gaming should be less about loot and more about characters. I also wanted the rules to work well on the internet forums. The real trick was accomplishing these goals without making the game feeling feel dumbed down for hardcore gamers. I think we've managed to pull off this balance wonderfully. I agree with him. I would like to examine that and make my decision at the end. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> We've talked quite a bit about this. Yeah. Um, I will say, ju- if we're just strictly talking about the PDF from a PDF view mm-hmm. of like, here is the book. Let's look at the book. Let's look at the PDF. I will say that this PDF is probably one of the finest examples of a gaming PDF that I've ever seen. It, is, it has great sections that are easily defined and found. There is a basic summary of the rules that takes five pages. That's it. And it's it's well-defined where that's at. Mm-hmm. There are solid bookmarks. If you are a, a storyteller or a player and you need to find something, there's a whole appendix of bookmarks that are clearly and well-defined that shoot you all over. You don't have to go digging through the the uh, categorical bookmarks and try and find the right chapter and then the right section and then the right heading You can literally go to the end and say, I'm looking for all the tables, and I'm looking for the table for fighting, or for combat, and I'm looking for the table of combat that involves, you know, uh, this specific thing. And it'll pull you right to that table. Every table is completely indexed that way. And it's clean, Mm-hmm. And that is a great way to use a PDF effectively to make it. And there's not many that have done that. They, it's always having to be a secondary thing or extra appendixes or, or people using links within the document. And that can be, I don't know, challenging. Um, the other thing is it's just in black and white with shading. And I'm not talking about like the background is slightly gray with the text over the top of it and cute little things. No, they've simplified it. It's still artistic. But not so much that if I had accessibility issues mm-hmm. or legibility issues, I have no problem. I could easily read through this. And even with my dyslexia, I did not have an issue going through this book, which really surprised me. Numbers came out very clean. Everything was easy to read for me. And the copy-paste works like you look at it, meaning you highlight the text, <laughs> and it's the text you highlighted.
0: Oh, so many PDFs are so so frustrating when they do that, where it's like you copy one thing from one column, and it reads across to the other column. Right, oh. or you just
1: start to copy and paste, and it grabs the whole image that's behind it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's little things like that that I look at in a book, because I, I, I've worked with PDFs in my job. I deal with them all the time, like all the different versions and layering and BS that's involved in those. Sure, But I also know PDF artists, people mm-hmm. who build books and, and have worked on these things and look at stuff like that and want to just throw up because they it, it's terrible. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, it's people trying to translate from one thing to another and doing a poor job of it. But this feels like someone really took the time to make sure it was clean. Yeah,
0: it was it was very good. And when I realized that it was cross-referenced, like there there were bookmarks in there that weren't just this is the flow of the book. Right. When it was like, here's all the tables, which one do you want? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's super useful.
1: So so I am going to say great job, Brando, for picking the right team. Great job, editors, for doing a good job for it. And for God's sakes, whoever did the layout and PDF work and conversion to make this look good – Hats off to you. You are doing the community proud. That needs to be celebrated.
0: All right. Full marks so. on a technical level.
1: Oh, yeah. Totally. 100%. Uh,
0: all right. So let's talk about setting and feel. So uh, for those who have not gotten into the Mistborn books yeah. and stuff at like that. Um, like myself. What are we talking about uh with Mistborn here what is what is this world like so from just the book's presentation mm-hmm. and and
1: this is mine and I, you'll be adding to it without a doubt oh yeah um, i've I've read mo I, I've not finished the last of the trilogy I'm not going to hold you against that but it is uh, uh, candrel right scadriel Scadriel i yes. I'm terrible with reading these but uh is a it's it's basically a place bathed in ash volcanic volcanic activity everywhere. That it's, yeah. that it's basically just a gray, blackish cloud that hangs over everything, a red sun, and shittiness.
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Stuck I, in an 1800s kind of fantasy realm. I, I, want, I want to go into more detail about why the world is as broken and crappy as it is, but that reveals some pretty big plot points. But it's also not necessary. Yeah. mm
1: I mean, we're sitting here sipping tea, but the truth of the matter is it's the 1800s if basically uh, effectively uh, all of the volcanoes went off at the same time and kind of locked us in that state.
0: Yeah, a bit. For like a
1: thousand years. A bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, um,
0: there's a supreme ruler. It's called. He's called the Lord Ruler. He is which, an immortal god king. Yes. Uh, what is?
1: Uh, what is it? Silver of Infinity or Sliver of the Infinity? Sliver of Infinity, Silver of Infinity. Yes. So he he is basically a god emperor who's mm-hmm. been around for a thousand years mm-hmm. plus, and uh, like nobody questions because he defeated the evil ones and and set this all up right and it feels like a 40k kind of thing or e- or even dune for that matter yeah
0: you made a lot of parallels between dune being I that think... there's there's a there's an immortal god emperor and then you've got this noble ruling class all squabbling over yeah. the resources on this yeah. blasted wasteland of a uh of a, of a place yeah so. and he's got but but I, I go back to 40k in the sense that he's got this
1: whole retinue that sit underneath there these yeah. obligators who who basically are out there intimidating people they're like they're the fingermen who go out and be like, oh, you shouldn't be saying that, yep. and that person just disappears. Yep. You know, you've got Steel Inquisitors who are these horrific
0: giants of ass whooping. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I I liken the the Steel Inquisitors a lot to the agents in the Matrix. Like but if terrifying. one shows up, just run.
1: Right, but they're but they're not just they're not just that, but they're terrifying-looking
0: Pri- things. Yeah, imagine like a pro wrestler-style build with giant spikes, uh, giant uh, steel spikes driven through their eyes. Yeah, might. My- actually calling them steel spikes i'm there's going to be some fans out there who are yeah. going to be twitching because i don't metal spikes metal spikes driven i don't through remember the, eyes. the the metal is very specific in this it's, game yeah. <laughs> but i mean
1: but that's the thing is that they they've got spikes driven into their body uh, which makes them bigger badasses than they were before they're gigantic they basically are 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 biological kind of mechanical not even mechanical because there's no mechanics involved in it but like enhanced creatures yeah yeah that are just Driven by the the God's purpose, yeah, you know, um, and like that alone is is crazy. But like, there's a ministry, mm-hmm. and in that, you know, again, I keep going back to like it's it feels like the 40k where you've got this whole tier and peerage that sit that is the Imperium mm-hmm. that sits above this noble class that that again that noble class is just there to support you know the the ruling body. But they're all fighting to kind of have favor with the king.
0: Well, the big thing is, um, is that the god emperor just wants the status quo to keep being the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to keep things in control. And uh, so he generally doesn't get involved in the day-to-day rulings of uh, things in the final empire um, unless things start getting wonky. Yeah. He does not like wonky. He doesn't like wonky from his own people. He doesn't like wonky from people who are against him.
1: And he'll just send some people to take care of that shit. Yep. And And nobody questions it. Make
0: sure that it all gets taken care of and goes back to normal. Wipe Um, wipe out a house. Wipe out some people. Yep. In the meantime, though, he's keeping his noble houses squabbling amongst one another for resources and stuff like that. Um, And uh, below them... Uh, you have two tiers of society in this. You've mm-hmm. got the noble houses and then you've got the Ska. And the Ska are essentially the peasantry. They're nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where uh, one of the main characters in the books is considered a radical um, and and uh, a pro- radical progressive, essentially, for voicing the idea that he thinks the Ska and the nobles are are, are both the same people. I mean – Like physically that the Ska are not a physically different creature than the noble are. Right. Which is crazy
1: because they're, they're both the same thing.
0: Yeah. They're just humans. Yeah. Right. Or humanoids. But like, that's how far, like how far the, the divide between ruler, you know, between between nobles and Ska is Mm -hmm. that the idea that Ska are human is considered like radically progressive. Yeah. Not even
1: that they should be treated equal, but that they're human alone. Yeah. 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 they're of the same blood. You then have uh, the Terris, the Terris, yeah, who are I, I I akin them to almost like the Mongolians uh, of our age because they're they're being run to persecution, yeah, and, and to 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 obliteration. They they want like the God Emperor kind of wants them gone.
0: Uh, yeah, and and there's there's some real genocide stuff that goes on there with the yeah. uh, with the with the Lord Ruler and the Terris people, uh, and so they've kind of been um over the last thousand years, uh he's been trying to wipe out their magic style essentially called Firukemi, but we'll get into that in a bit. And
1: by literally um, just getting rid of them. Yeah.
0: Like um, either enslaving the women, uh, uh uh maiming the men mm-hmm. um so that they're unable to produce children yep. and then uh essentially domesticating them and turning them into like a servant class.
1: Yeah. Which just uh, happened.
0: And huh. uh then you've got the Chandra. Yes. And which... the Condra the last playable race and they are sentient shapeshifters
1: which is weird to me
0: it is very weird the, the...
1: chondras sit in a weird place and they, they there's not a lot of discussion about them other to say than a they have a single kind of pact with the hike the high lord the lord ruler the lord ruler yeah uh, uh high muckety muck uh, at almost like a personal level like this is the way things are and if they are not this, you, you know we we will always honor a contract, no matter what. Yep, that's it. that That's our rule, and yep. we will stay at home unless there's a contract going
0: on. They are they're a race of uh, of hard laws, mm-hmm. and it, defying those will get you either killed or exiled or worse. Or worse. Yeah, um, they will take away the thing that makes you sentient and turn you back into a slug, essentially. Yeah. Um. Into a mist wraith from yeah. which, which they're born.
1: Yeah, the god the, the god emperor gave them life and brain, and for that, they are forever in the service of a contract. Mm-hmm. And only one time that got messed up, and something terrible happened, and after that, they're like, nope, we're nope. never going to do it. As a never race, again. we're never going to do that again.
0: Now, it is worth noting there is a sidebar in there that says, like, Kondra sit in a weird place in the story. They are not like any of the other characters. They are very alien to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I kind of took the. There's like a maybe maybe leave Condra for the more experienced players or people who've really read the books and understand you know how to, they how should to play be them, yeah. who they should be. Uh, I I read that a little bit like your rule in seventh C. Yeah, that you only get to play a Vestman Havanyar if you can pronounce Vestman Havanyar. That's that is one of the
1: rules. The other one is I always I'm very careful about the she. Yeah, and people who are she blooded because the fae are often messed up in multiple ways but uh
0: yeah yeah, i I think they 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 put the conjure in there and they are definitely playable but like there's definite notes that are like these these guys are the advanced class
1: yeah let's 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 set that to the side um so then we have like this history of what this world is we Uh, have and i say history in the sense of like what's going on and in in truth there's a thousand years of history plus Mm -hmm. but they're basically the 18th century there's carts there's gas lamps there's limelight there's no electricity there's no gunpowder mm-hmm. um, so it, it's a little less than the 1800 or the 18th century in that sense mm-hmm. um, but the structures the way the way society is kind of going the type of people it feels that uh, most power is either wind water or ska yeah that's it like there's no steam engines mm-hmm. like oh, we have a mill, and there's no wind here. Well, I guess I'll get a bunch of slaves. Yeah. I'll get a bunch of ska. Yeah. And they'll just run it for me, and I'll just keep replacing them.
0: Well, you got to keep in mind, too, that, I mean, when you're talking about someplace that is constantly choked with volcanic ash, mm-hmm. that that just gets everywhere. Like, they make note of, uh, like, canal systems that mm-hmm. they use to move goods and stuff like that mm-hmm. around from some of the outer dominances, uh, and – they have whole teams of people that do nothing but dredge the canals so that they don't get choked up with ash. Right. So that you can continue to get boats down them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I I'm, I'm like pump
1: operations. Mm-hmm. Uh the, there's a there was a a long history of using slaves and prisoners in uh France to to run the pumps for all of the fountains and such. Yep. Uh and I easily see that in my mind. Oh yeah, like I see that, you know, aristocracy and comfort. Yeah, well, just, know? just throw some sky at it. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, this is how we we run all of these, you know, sixty fountains. Yeah, you know, um, we don't we don't need to have aqueducts. We have the sky pumping water, you know, pumping water underground for us. You know, kind of a thing. You're not wrong. Um, another thing that you brought to my attention was that there are no mages. This Correct. game has m- magic, and I put that in quotes. We're but put, it is not.
0: Yeah, we're going to put magic in quotes because nobody in the setting would ever use the term magic. Yeah. There are no mages from the standpoint of nobody wears pointy hats. Mm-hmm. Nobody says, ooh, I am a spellcaster.
1: There are no high schools, you However,
0: know. there are three magic systems in this game.
1: Effectively, yes.
0: Uh, in, this, in this world. Um, so, you have Elemancy. The Nobles and the Ska... Um, can know allomancy. And what allomancy is, basically you ingest metal. Um, typically this is small metal shavings that you will suspend in liquid and drink them. Mm-hmm. Once that metal is inside of you, um, that metal can be burned uh, just by, by, by strength of will, essentially. You mm-hmm. just, you, you can sense it there. Mm-hmm. You can, within you, just decide to ignite it. Um, and when burned, you can create fantastical effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, each metal does one very specific thing. Um, and typically you'll have a pure metal that will do one thing and an alloy of that metal that will do the opposite. Uh, going back
1: to your steel spikes comment that you made. Yeah. That steel is an important thing. Steel is I didn't different. know if they were
0: steel spikes or iron spikes or aluminum spikes. I couldn't remember, but it matters what those spikes mm. are because metal does different things. But that's but the spikes are something different. I haven't I've gotten, gotten no, that. no. I'm just talking about the metal aspect but, of it. But, yes. but the metal is important. Now, if I remember correctly, alchemy it isn't
1: like something you just go to school and learn because you have the ability to correct. There's trauma related to it.
0: So uh, maybe in the old days, you okay. we were able to just kind of discover allomancy on your own. Nowadays, you need what's called a snap. Right um, and a snap is essentially a traumatic event where your body decides that it needs to tap into its latent power of allomancy to survive
1: It's kind of like Deadpool in in the Deadpool movie uh, they yeah. literally like did everything
0: horrific to him that they could before suddenly he had his abilities right right so it's it's a genetically passed down ability so you may you may have it you may not. Some, a lot of people may be latent allomancers and just never have a traumatic enough event to snap. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, a lot of people do because the final empire is a very harsh place mm-hmm. and, um, you discover through that trauma that all of a sudden, yeah, you can burn these, burn, burn these metals. You can, uh, make yourself supernaturally strong or push metal away from you or pull mm-hmm. it towards you or, uh suppress or enrage the uh or or inflame the emotions of others, um, all sorts of different stuff that metal can do for you. Mm-hmm. Um one in one hundred uh of uh, uh what they call mistings, who mm-hmm. can burn one type of metal, mm-hmm. one in one hundred of them become mistborn, which is where they kind of get the name from.
1: And they can do all, all of them. All of them. Yeah.
0: And it's never it's never like, oh, I can do two or three. It's like one. Or all of them, right? You are either a misting or a mistborn. At least in this part of the history, okay. it's it a little cloudier once you get to book four. But we're not talking about we're not yet.
1: To, we're not going there. So,
0: um, so those are if you read the books, uh, most of the characters you're dealing with are Alamancers. Wonderful. Um, and then
1: the second one is this. Uh, ferrochemi ferrochemi, okay, I did get that yep. right,
0: and that's uh that's the one that the terrorists have that they're trying to wipe out, correct. This is an ancestral art of the of the terrorist people, okay. um so you have to be playing a terrorist person to be a what they call a keeper, which mm-hmm. is someone who who uses ferrochemi, and that's that's literally where you can hold metal, you can hold the energy. Hold energy in metal right um, so typically they'll have bracelets or necklaces or earrings and things like that that they call metal mines mm-hmm. and uh, again the metal is specific so each metal does a, a specific function but how ferrochemy works basically is you store a physical attribute of yourself in the in the metal mind while you're storing it you are reduced in that mm-hmm. um, so say you're storing strength in a metal mind you will be weak feeble Mm -hmm. have trouble walking around basically just be lethargic um but then and you can just kind of at will stop um stop storing it Mm -hmm. and whatever metal mind you've stored it in will just have that stored in it and then later if you need to rip a steel gate off of a uh uh you know off of a doorway or something like that you just tap into the strength you've got stored Mm. And you become the Hulk for like three seconds. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I see a lot
1: of little old ladies kicking a lot of butt? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but again, trying to be wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so very, very rare. And then the third one is. Hold on, I gotta scroll here. Well, go, if you can find it, it's in front
0: called hemolurgy. Ah, that's what it is. Okay, and this is where the whole steel spikes driven through yes. your eyes thing comes in.
1: This is where those those guys specifically. Have some crazy crap going on, but it's not just them.
0: Hemallergy is disgusting. Mm -hmm. Um, So you take a pure metal spike, and again, the metal matters. Mm -hmm. It depends on what type of effect you're trying to create. You drive it through the body of someone who has the attribute that you're trying to steal. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them just steal physical attributes, like strength Mm -hmm. or whatnot. Um, You can steal... Allomancy powers, Mm -hmm. and you can steal phyrochemy powers. Ooh, And then you take this spike that you have killed another person with, and you drive that into your own body, or typically it's done by somebody else too, you have like a surgical procedure, um, and it implants that ability in you. Man. It takes a a toll on you. It will diminish your... um, Typically, it drives you a little insane. Your, 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 your mental ph- and social facilities will – faculties will uh, will slip away. Mm-hmm. But um, so, you know, the Steel Inquisitors are not pretty people. Mm-hmm. They're very fearful and disgusting, but nobody can deny their power.
1: So the, the first thing I remembered on this, and some of our listeners who are World of Darkness fans may think of this a little like Diablery where you're stealing powers from another vampire at the moment before the moment of their demise. Oh yeah. And it it very much says that it's, it's very much that, and it does take a toll on your soul. You can only do it so often before you don't have humanity left. Yeah. And I I see that written all over this. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's, it's telling, and at the beginning of the book, they uh, would, of this specific book, they kind of speak to, like, you know, Savage World and World of Darkness, and as you start looking through, you start seeing those taps from World of Darkness, uh-huh. in it. and it's definitely there. It's yeah. definitely there.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, kind of one last thing to, to kind of discuss with the metals. Like, obviously, a lot of them are very common. Like, you use iron for, like, in elements, you use mm-hmm. iron for pushing, and yeah. you use steel for pulling. Um and whatnot. There is one metal that is very special um mm-hmm. to the setting, and that's called atium. Okay. Um, atium is a super uh, super 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 rare metal. No, rarer than that. Super rare.
1: Yeah, it's um, like rarer than titanium.
0: Yeah, that's used thought. as essentially a currency. Um, in uh, a lot a of high the currency
1: at that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of the dealings between the nobles and stuff of like that. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, the Lord Ruler essentially has control of, like, 90% of it. Yeah. And will divvy out small little stipends of it to his noble houses and whatnot, um, essentially as payment, but also as a form of control, because they'll all fight over the Atium and stuff like that. Right. And the main reason the ATM is, um, uh, is important is because Mistborn, who can burn Atium, mm-hmm. um, Atium gives you the ability... Not to be strong or fast or, uh, or push or pull metal or anything like that. It allows you to see about a second and a half into the future. Doesn't sound like much. And in combat, though, mm-hmm. that's a lifetime. So if I'm going to stab you and I know exactly where you're going to dodge,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I know where to put the knife. Mm-hmm. And that's all I need. Yep, ATM essentially allows a mistborn to kill anyone they want whenever they want,
1: and and I'll get to it later. But I feel that that is a very telling MacGuffin in the system. It is, yeah, like a very telling MacGuffin. I think it it's is. good for storytelling in general, but I think in an art in a uh, tabletop role playing game, it is it puts a point of order that this is a thing mm-hmm. and exists and does this and is is an offensive capability that is. That is almost impossible to counter.
0: Yeah. Except with more atium. Right. And that's, again, why the why the noble houses kind of squabble over it. Because the nobles are essentially the ones who have the Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are Ska Mistborn. It does like, exist. One of the main characters in the book is a Ska Mistborn. Like, right. Straight up. Um, but... Uh, typically it's it's considered to be a thing of noble blood mm-hmm. um they're not terribly common and uh those who are of the ska you you because of the power dynamic you probably don't live long right you know to stand up against the noble houses and stuff like that so um anybody who is anybody who is a mistborn is a noble right um and those are the movers and shakers in the noble houses and so it's this kind of like um mutually assured destruction sort of arms race Mm -hmm. with the atm when it's like oh we've got x amount that means our mistborn have a tactical advantage over you right you know and we can just come in and wipe the walls with you anytime we want because we've got so much atm right you know
1: at any time we can just do this
0: yeah so it's so it's an implicit threat right it's an implicit threat Mm -hmm. um when it comes down to it uh and so it, that's that's worth noting because uh, it, it, not only that it acts as a metal, but because it has such an economic and social impact in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. So – but the other piece that I think that kind of ties off of all of this, which is a, a third component to the general – generality of the story, even in the books very mm-hmm. much, which is, I think, interesting, is that a lot of systems that come from movies or TV shows or books – uh, they 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 want to try and capture the uh, the feeling, and th- each one of the components makes it. Like in this case, we've got you know this metal magic, and I use magic in quotes there. Yep. We've got you know a world that is that is harsh, and the levels are and the levels of society are very cleanly cut. But the thing that makes this different is is that it puts you immediately into the mind frame because part of the world that through the eyes of the player is this concept of crew. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not unlike Shadowrun, run where you, the moment that you start the story, you're not a loner. You're a shadow runner with other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Mistborn is no exception. Um, the books very much come together like this and, uh, the game as well. A large part of your, um, character creation, which we're starting to roll into now, mm-hmm. um, is like, okay, let's answer some basic questions about your character concept. Mm-hmm. Who are you in the crew? Yeah. What does your crew look like? Why did you join the crew? What is your crew's goal? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it it really focuses on building these almost Ocean's Eleven style um, gangs mm-hmm. of people with various talents to accomplish whatever the goal of the crew is. You Which know? I think
1: having your goal set before the game even starts, yeah. Before you're given anything about the world or where you're at or what's going on, you have a cause. That narration is necessary Mm -hmm. that your group designs that. And that feels very much like some of the other narrative systems that we've had where you build this world, you do all this, and then it's okay, why are you guys doing what are you guys doing together? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, we know you're working outside of the society. You're not gonna work within the, the formation of what you're character does in the daylight Mm -hmm. or what they did in the daylight or what they do in the shadows. You are just outside of whatever that societal marker is.
0: Yeah. It feels, it feels a lot like leverage to me. Like, uh, where, where you're kind of like your, your own little pod that kind of watches society and goes, ah, no, that ain't right. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, so much of our other game systems that are narrative, your class is also your, your day job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you're doing your day job and you're adventuring at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas this, it's like, no, no, you might have a daylight identity that you have to keep up, but this is what you do. Yeah. This is your crew. This
0: is what you do when the mists come.
1: Right. And so that, that paints a totally Mm -hmm. different thing. And again, it's closer to akin to Shadowrun. Yeah. Like you have your runner self and then diversity is a key.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You want, you, you uh, very much like, you know, I kind of mentioned Oceans 11, you know, you want somebody who can put on a face for the nobles. You want somebody who can put on enough of a face to be the nobles, uh, the, the fake noble's uh, hand servant. You yeah. know, you want somebody who can work the underworld for mm-hmm. you and spread rumors. You want somebody who can conceal your alomancer, called a smoker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you may want a mistborn on your on your thing if you can if you can find one. You may need one. a brute or two. You know, you a know? brute, a couple thugs, a couple pewter arms. You know, right? Um, you start getting into you know different alomancy powers that you're going to want to grab, and even people who don't have powers can be equally as valuable if they've got other resources to throw in. In, you right. know. It's. It, it, I wanted to be very clear that even characters without powers, who are not shapeshifters or mm-hmm. keepers or alamancers or anything like that, are very valuable because their strengths are going to lie elsewhere. Which, which everything's valuable.
1: Which feels like Savage World in that sense, but it's bringing it to a narrative sense. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that because of that, and because you're doing a job outside of your thing, it everything feels like a little adventure stepping you closer to your goal that yep. everyone has agreed to you might hire other people yep so you could bring in other people to your table like oh dude tom and you know sarah can't make it to game tonight but my buddy mark wants to play around all right let's make him a character real quick and we'll buy him in for this scene sure and sure we needed something we needed a smoker for this scene yeah why uh because we got to go talk to this dude okay let's get that done uh-huh And you just do it, and you throw it in, and they're in and out, and that's cool. That is not something that is common in a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you are a hardcore, like, adventuring party D&D style, sure, you could pull and drop people as you wanted to but you're not running a common plot then as well it's not as well designed
0: yeah exactly but
1: this really has it you might even be in the middle of something that needs somebody off to be pulled in mm-hmm. and i think that's a great way of a great way for the story again i'm going to say like Shadowrun, to be able to do stuff like that and really have people drop in and drop out yeah exactly exactly
0: Uh, so character creation is, um, uh, just kind of a series of questions. It's a bit of a conversation. Um, lots of, um, time and energy is devoted to your crew, your concept, how and why you join the crew and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, there's only like three questions that have to do with actual character building, Mm -hmm. um, from the, from the main standpoint. Uh, and that basically defines, um, your attributes, your powers, uh, and your standings. Um, and it's essentially a priority system. You bring up Shadowrun. I know that Shadowrun runs off a priority system like this, mm-hmm, where you pick mm-hmm. a. But since there's only three, you've got a strong and average and weak. Yep. Um. You just need to know if which 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 one of your is it your attributes that are strong, your powers are strong, or your standings are strong. Yep. Um. Standings are essentially like your holdings. It will be things like resources, um, your influence uh, for your social sway, essentially, and your spirit, which is like your mental faculties um, your attributes there's only three and again there's, those follow the physical social mental uh, trichotomy mm-hmm. as well yep. and that's physique charm and wits um, and then your powers depending on where you rank your powers depends on what you can come out as so if you're strong in powers you can be either a mistborn or a keeper mm-hmm. um, if you're average you can be a misting or a chondra shapeshifter uh, and if you're weak you don't have any powers um, but keeping in mind that if you're weak there, you are strong and average in your, in your attributes and your standings. Okay. So maybe you're the money behind the group.
1: Which is definitely a thing.
0: Yeah. You throw it all into resources, you know, with, with, with strong standings and stuff of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could fund the entire operation and not have to worry about allomancy, you know? Yep.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: exactly. and then you've got your resiliences, uh, which are basically the hit points for each one of the four, or each one of the three categories, physical, social, and mental. Mm-hmm. Um, so your, it's basically your attribute plus your standing equals your resiliency. So your health, um, reputation and willpower, you're like your health is equal to your physique plus your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your reputation is equal to like your charm plus your, what is it now? Uh, I can't find it It's here. fine. Yeah. Ch- uh, oh, charm plus influences. Ah, okay. You know, so basically that's your social credit. Yeah. How much social sway you have and stuff like that. And then your willpower, your mental Offendies, faculties yeah. are essentially your wits plus your spirit. Right. So it all totals up. You know? Which is neat.
1: And, and the fact that you actually have three goes back to what we talk about with other things
0: where health is one thing. But your reputation is huge. Your reputation is huge. This is a game of nobles. This mm-hmm. is a game of courts, of balls, of, of uh, you know, soirees and stuff like that.
1: Assassinations where, of, you know... Of,
0: of even, you know, character assassination. Which is what I was getting not, to, yeah. Not death, but social death. Yeah. Ostracization. Humiliation. Yeah, and then you have willpower. Just being
1: taken down by something that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Something that is horrific. Something that is traumatic. Something that is that is willfully damning, or even interrogated and broken by the steel inquisitors. Exactly. You know. So all of that plays, and it's it's all of the components that we've talked about in other games, like Alien's ability to have stress. Yep. Really feels like the willpower aspect. Mm-hmm. You have your reputation, which Seventh Sea and Dune incorporate heavily. That your reputation is everything. You can easily be outcast. From things and have a very hard time returning to it, or rise much above where you should be because people respect you, maybe even when they shouldn't, mm-hmm. but they can't deny who you are. You know, and health isn't necessarily just hit points. All of these, all of these things aren't just a value that says you're dead or you're no longer viable or you're broken and you'll just give in to everything. Like mm-hmm. yeah, that is the end of it. But it's not the worst. Because there beyond that there are the there are aspects that can hurt you mm-hmm. and carry with you and effectively scar you. Uh which I think is fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh it's it's got a it's got a great wound system, but we'll get to that in, mm-hmm. in systems mm-hmm. later. Um one of the other char- aspects of character creation is uh destiny and tragedy. Okay. Um and so like we're it kind of sets a goal for your character. And it also kind of sets an origin story for your character. Like the straight up, they ask you like, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to your character? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a huge driving force for a lot of people. Like, um, what was this? I think a couple of big, the, the critical role cast members were talking some, mm-hmm. something effective, like, you know, happy people, you know, why, why do you never meet a, a happy normal person? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's like because happy people don't go adventuring. You know? No, they don't. Hey, Bob, you want to go slay some vampires with me? Uh, nope, I am running a successful winery. You have good luck. You yeah, know? Go, go enjoy yourself. <laughs> go I mean, enjoy yourself, yeah. It's
1: the whole thing like why is a noble going adventuring? He has people to do that.
0: Right. It's because this particular noble was humiliated and disgraced and his wife was killed in front of him and he sworn to, you know blood vengeance against the leader of the house that did it all or at night. Oh, okay. That's cheerful. Or at night, <laughs> I'm Batman.
1: Yeah. You know cuz and that's a thing. That is totally a thing.
0: But your your tragedy is what was going to drive your character from from the back. It's what's pushing your character into the adventuring life, mm-hmm. and then your destiny is your end goal. It's what's pulling you from the other end. Yeah. Um and you just, so you define these two points during character creation. And then lastly, you have props. Which I think are great. Uh, props are kind of like your character equipment, but it's not something as petty as, like, I went 50 feet of rope mm-hmm. and a 10-foot pole and uh, three daggers and two torches and mm-hmm. 10 days of rations. It's um, – these are, like, major things that are key to your character. I have a walking cane.
1: I have like, a, du- a dueling cane. Yeah, a dueling cane. Yes. You know, I, I have a pocket watch hmm. That's, that's, you know, beautiful.
0: It's ornate. Yeah. You know, it's – Or – your metal mines, mm-hmm. uh, or vials full of metal mm-hmm. for for your for your alomancy, mm-hmm. um, or you know an obsidian dagger. Like mm-hmm. these are important things that will play into your things. So like all your day to day stuff. Like I have a change of clothes. Cool. Everybody has a change of clothes except for the lowliest ska. Like right. it's not noteworthy enough to put on your sheet. I have a mistborn cloak. Are important. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mist yeah. cloaks are important because yeah. they help you hide when the mists come
1: at night. Right. And it's, it's those types of things that are, are, are beautiful because they're simplistic, but they're, they're symbols. Yes. They're symbols of your character.
0: And when you, uh, there are, there are things that with the, uh, in, in the, the, game pacing called, um, uh, breathers. They're not quite like long and short rest, but they follow the, some of the same yeah. mechanics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and when you take a long breather, any lost props come back to you, mm-hmm. either because of a contrivance of story that they are returned, or you are able to replace them. But because their props are intrinsic to your character, your props get replaced. Yeah. You get reset to zero on your props.
1: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That I love that. I love that. That's a great mechanic for that. So do you get XP? Yes and no. Okay. Do you is it from killing things and, and getting loot? Yes,
0: absolutely. This is a game about murder. <laughs> yeah. Um no, uh so you earn what's called advances um okay. and advances are just just basically uh, uh points, advancement Check box points or something. Um you get them for various uh things in play like uh, completing a scheme or a personal goal, um, making a critical choice at a turning point in the game, uh, revealing a powerful secret, defeating a central villain, things like that. Okay. Heavy narrative beats that mm-hmm. your character instigates will generally net you a point. Um, you can kind of, uh, if, if the game's played the way that the designers intended it, you can typically earn one to three advancement points a game. Okay, So advancement's not terribly quick. Um, you can save up to 20. Once okay. you hit 20, that's it. Like, you don't earn anymore. Um so it's an encouragement to spend them mm-hmm. and then when you take a a long breather, which acts kind of like a downtime, it can be actually several almost like several weeks um of 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 time if it's if it's a, a very long breather um you can advance your character mm-hmm. and it goes from there's a there's a point chart for it and it's like up to, as little as two points just to change an existing trait of yours from one to another mm-hmm all the way up to 20 points, you're dumping your entire bar to snap into a Mistborn. Oh, boy. Like a Slim Jim, mm-hmm. but with more powers.
1: Yeah, no joke. No yeah. joke. Okay, that's interesting. All right. Um, the mechanics are quite simple. I mean, I
0: love the fact that it's one die. Just piles of them. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely takes a takes a, a, a nod a, a nod from Shadowrun in the uh, grab a giant handful of d6. Yeah, get yourself a little brick of d6s. You'll need them. The good news is it maxes out at ten, so a brick still gets you through what you a need. A brick still gets you through what you need. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so if you, if you go, if you need to play Mistborn, go to the store, get yourself one of those little bricks of D6s. You're going to lose a few of them. They're tiny, yep. you know, or even the medium sized ones that'll get you yep. through as well. You know? Or just
0: the, just go through the assorted pile that I'm sure your FLGS has. Of course. Um, Anyways, uh, you only need 10d6, uh, it's as large as a pool can get. If your pool ever is uh, gets larger than 10, you just get free nudges, which are kind of like raises or advances in mm-hmm. uh, in other game systems. Mm-hmm. They create opportunities or do bonus damage or whatever. Right, right. Um, any pool lower than two mm-hmm. takes a penalty to the degree of success. Essentially, your roll is considered one lower per die you would go under two. You always roll two. Yes, always have to roll two because of what the dice mechanic is and that is getting pairs of numbers on your d6 okay 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 so storyteller is going to create a uh, a difficulty number for you it's mm-hmm. going to be one through five mm-hmm. okay that is the number you need to roll a pair of or higher yahtzee kind of yahtzee yeah mm-hmm. um so if i set the target number at three And you roll your handful of dice and you come up with, like, one, one, three, three, four, five, five, six. Mm -hmm. Okay? That pair of fives that you have is the highest pair that you have. So that's your number. You Mm -hmm. rolled a five.
1: And it was successful.
0: Your pair of ones, too low, don't matter anyways. Your pair of threes are technically a success, but you have a higher pair. So you always go with that. Okay sixes get set aside and become nudges. Pairs. No, no. Oh, not just right pairs to... of sixes. Okay, okay. Every six becomes
1: a nudge. Nice. Yeah. Can, so you can have nudges and not succeed. Well, no. because you'll yeah. Well, yeah. You could roll all ones. You roll one, two,
0: three, four, five, six. And then... You don't have a pair, but you have a nudge. So, okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Um,
0: okay. Which I don't know that does you any good if you don't have a success, but you have a nudge. I don't know that I read anything about that being a thing, but could be. Who knows? Yeah. Regardless, um, nudges can
1: work l- like raises. They can, uh, they can do specific things, special abilities, um, and uh, they can do. St- uh, they can handle things that are higher than a ten dice in a pool. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's... higher, higher than ten
0: dice in a pool, you just start getting extra nudges and stuff at like that. Right. Um... So,
1: so I think that. I think there's some potential there for it to do something, um, but maybe it opens an opportunity. Even though you you failed, sure, which would be interesting. You could you could crack a nudge, you know. Yeah, I fall off the building, but I got a nudge. I grab his. I, I grab the letter out of his pocket.
0: Oh, actually, uh, you know, what? um, Sean in the uh, in the live chat actually uh, remind. Yes, he's correct in that rule. Um, nudges make you fail less bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in that previous example, if I set the difficulty to three and you only got snake eyes, typically, technically you, you failed by two, mm-hmm. but if I got a nudge in there, I would only have failed by one. Ah, okay. It cuts a degree of failure off of, Okay. off of the, the, the failure.
1: That's fair. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. Yes. Yes. It dampens failure. Thank you for the reminder.
1: See if you, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause mm-hmm. again, if you get a pair of sixes, you succeeded.
0: Yeah. And then you figure there are some abilities in there that like give you automatic nudges, like being a misting savant. Mm-hmm. You know, you just automatically get two free nudges when using your 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 uh, your allomancy. Nice. Okay. You know, so okay. it's it you're you're so good it can mitigate critical failures. Yeah. You know. Um, and then uh, in conflicts, it does extra damage. That's your easy your nudges translate directly into extra damage points
1: um there are direct opposed checks so it's not always just a difficulty that's set right you could be rolling versus uh like two pushers pushing simultaneously sure why not sure um but then that leads to the concept of conflicts and i like the fact that it is a concept it is not it, it, it is a designed system to say a conflict is just that it could be physical it could be social or it could be mental yeah it doesn't matter what it is it's a conflict
0: and that's what i what i really love about this because all of them follow essentially the same rules mm-hmm. um you you said this reminded you a lot of dune actually it does um so your conflicts basically go um in initiative order uh highest wits to lowest wits
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh involved and then um it's one of those game systems and I know I know a handful of them do that where you have to declare your action in reverse initiative order and then you act in descending initiative order so that the slowest people have to say what they're doing first mm-hmm. so the next fastest person can potentially react to them.
1: Yeah, so so the initiative order is by wits, but the action order is by pool. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's my pool. Okay, so okay, okay. if I have, you know, if, I, if my dice pool is eight, I go before you, unless even we, though you're smarter than me. Unless you're burning ATM, then you just go first.
0: Well, that is true as you, well. You sit on your own initiative tier.
1: That, again, the MacGuffin wins, yep, you know. the you MacGuffin know. wins. But, but that's, I, I thought that that was neat, was that, okay, so we all come into the situation and it's based upon wits, who's fastest at their wits to figure out what to do. Yep. But it doesn't mean you're going first. Yeah, yeah. It means like my pool is gigantic, I'm going first. Okay. Like mm-hmm. stuff
0: happens. You're just gonna barrel through the, the you know, through the uh the, the combat, yeah. Right, which
1: is neat. It's a it's a neat way of handling it. It means you're you're smart enough to watch what's about to
0: happen mm-hmm. happen. Uh, so you've got uh that the same distinction that uh some a lot of the other narrative games that we play like Seven C and mm-hmm. uh Savage Worlds and stuff like that have where you've got heroes and extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, your extras can only take one damage before they're out. Um, so it's it's very cinematic in that that yes. your your villains are the only ones you really have to like battle with. Your yeah. extras are the ones you you throw a coin at them, they die. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, you
1: breathe too hard on them. Yeah,
0: and then uh. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna skip this next bullet point because I'm gonna come back to. Yeah, it. please and, do. Uh, talk about uh, damage. So damage um, is both an attrition system and a tag system. I I agree with that. Um, so the attrition system is that you have these resiliencies that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and those essentially act as a hit point pool for whatever type of combat you're doing—physical, social, or mental. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, however, if you take like a quarter or a half of your current Total. Right. Um, so, so say I have... So as you take more wounds, that that threshold will get lower and lower. Right. Um, you will take what's called burdens. And this is a neat system for me. And now burdens are essentially just tags. Um, mm-hmm. If you've played Fate, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're aspects, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Fate actually has a very similar um, wound system mm-hmm. in that you... Uh, congratulations, um, you took two physical damage... But also, you now have the burden leg wound, mm-hmm. okay, and other people can exploit that- mm-hmm. if you have a trait but this negative this negative trait this burden that um acts in favor of one of your opponents, they get an extra die for exploiting it. so leg wound might be applicable if now like somebody's fighting you. They're going to try to hit you in the leg to exploit your balance and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But also, if you're in a chase, you're going to be running slower because of a leg wound. Mm-hmm. So now this thing goes into a chase scene, and they are still exploiting that burden of yours. But what's
1: interesting is is that, and you're talking about it in a physical sense,
0: there are just as
1: easily in your willpower, your your social sense, you could you could have a minor uh, mental situation what's is going on, or, yeah. or or just your spirit could be a little bit. You're depressed. Yeah you know so that's going to weigh on you in different ways and somebody can dig at that depression exactly and um, exploit
0: it and then from a social standpoint your burdens can be things like ostracization humiliation mm-hmm. um just a bad reputation yep you know um being known as a bit of a troublemaker mhm i mean that's just pe- people won't want to invite you to their things people won't deal with you in the same way you know yeah um and so, yeah, uh, and these come in like uh, t- uh serious ones, which are temporary, grave, which are long lasting um and mortal, which are permanent, yes,
1: yeah, so the, from what I was reading, the temporary and the long lasting, you can use your advancements to get rid of, yeah, but at, during rest periods, yeah, there's a cost for it, it it goes out so it's another way to spend your advancements mm-hmm. uh but also or, or they can go away on their own I mean, i take that back if you rest you can choose that the only thing you do is to get rid of those yeah the mortal ones you can drop with advancements but it's costly but it's costly yeah. so like you get a heavy wound physical heavy wound that you know maybe maybe you lost a hand maybe yeah. you, maybe,
0: you lo- maybe you're scarred in the eye oh uh music oh geez, let me get that <laughs> thanks for thanks for reminding us about that in the live chat there sorry about that we we typically when we run long we uh we paused the, the playback so that the music doesn't automatically start at the one-hour mark, and uh, we forgot to do that this time. We got very we got excited about this game into system. This.
1: Yeah, that's, that's my problem. My so,
0: I, we, we apologize. I apologize to your listeners. Sorry about that. Yeah, so let me go back. So, so again,
1: like I'm saying is that uh, you have these burdens that are both uh, – that are not just physical, that are, are social and carry with you. Like, you can apply those to enemies just as easily they can be applied to you. So – this is another point in the game where they're they're ta- where they're teaching you how you handle things, fates that are worse than death, fates that affect the story, like uh, we were talking about. You know, social death is one of the worst things that can happen because again, we have a social strata that is exceptionally strong. You know, where the uh, where you have you know you, you've got the, the the lords' people, you've got this high class you have the ska Mm -hmm. right to tear someone from that noble class
0: down yeah to a ska Uh, you could never make them a ska but you could never make them a ska but but you you... could utterly get them ostracized as a noble to the to the idea the fact that nobody would ever talk to them again well and
1: somebody might actually go and assassinate them sure you know out, out of just pity Sure like you 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 you're probably better off just having be not be part of your home. I'm anymore. also
0: sure that if you strip a noble down uh far far enough that no noble will give them any sort of aid or sucker correct uh that the ska will want to have a word with him exactly yeah
1: and and that's the kind of thing is is that you've you can do that and i I dare say that that base mechanic ringing in this game is another point of light saying, hey, look at me. Yeah. i'm teaching you something specific about this world and i'd asked you before the game a very telling question To that is and and i'll bring it back up again later is is this showing us how this world really runs yeah and you, you answer it pretty succinctly but let's let's get into the running of the game and the feel
0: yeah so uh the general feel of this you know obviously this is not a this is a this is a very narrative heavy heavy, heavy game where this is not a game where we're going to be grinding levels and and you know uh killing things for excuse me uh killing things for xp and stuff like that um in fact, some you, of the, one of the classes you you can't kill unless it's specifically in your contract. Yeah, the, the con the condra cannot kill. Yeah, uh, it is considered a grave injustice to to take another living life. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's very heavily narrative based around the crew, based around the draw uh, the the uh, uh, the job that you're all kind of gathered to do and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I say I I am I'm, I'm I say Ocean's Eleven a lot, but it is not a heist game in the proper sense no um like you're not always stealing something you might steal something in pursuit of your goals but like it's not you're you're gathered together for a purpose it's leverage it's leverage yeah
1: if you've seen the see seen the show leverage it feels a lot closer to leverage because you're doing something for a purpose all right let's go steal a noble house there we go yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's go make a racehorse. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, one of the things I really like about uh, uh, about the game, honestly, is the beats and the breathers. And um, in, in that you've got, so beats are kind of what takes the place of rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really use rounds in the hard sense that like Dungeons and Dragons does, where it's like a round is six seconds, right? period. Uh, beats are whatever length of time they need to be. And it is whenever the players get an action. Mm-hmm. okay you can only act once per beat even if the beats are like a month of time mm-hmm. um and you're probably thinking like i can accomplish all sorts of stuff in a month sure but we're not telling that story mm-hmm. it's not a moment-to-moment thing what that beat represents is what is the most important thing you did that month yeah was that one moment where you went to that one ball and name dropped a noble and caused all sorts of a stir there and stuff like that that did X amount of social damage to your villain. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Done. Yeah. You know,
1: that's your action. Yeah, we're not we're not doing the day to day.
0: We're doing what moment was important. Right. Now beats in combat are gonna be like five to ten seconds. Sure. Beats in social combat can be days weeks hours they they might be hours if you're at a social function it might be like each hour is a beat and you're going to do four beats mm-hmm. at a four hour function yeah you know? oh like there's
1: there's a pre-party then there's the theater precisely. then there's a dinner
0: and then there's after dancing precisely um and who knows i'm going to fight my breakout and then we were going to turn our beats into you know seconds long beats because now we're in we're in physical mm-hmm. combat mm-hmm. you know um something like that Yep. Um, likewise, breathers are kind of your long and short rest. You've got short breathers and long, re- long breathers. Um, your short breathers are like from an hour all the way up to like a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to like recover half of your lost resiliences. You can store some, ch- actually a decent amount of charges in your ferrochemi Metal Mines. Yeah. Um, and then there's long breathers, which can be multiple days, maybe even weeks, mm-hmm. of just downtime. Yep. Not everything happens, you know, on a very quick adventuring day like a, like a lot of your other games do. Uh, and so you may have just these long periods of time where, like, you need to just recover all of your resiliences. You're going to get all of your spent standings back. Um, you replace any lost props, like mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know uh, Knox in the Box was asking about this in the live chat. Um, you can store... An immense amount of stats in your ferrochemi metal mines mm-hmm. over a long breather. Yep, uh, it's like thirty times your rating or something like that. Oh god, up to your maximum. Yeah, it's huge.
1: But you're you're storing
0: it. But you're storing it. Yeah. Yeah. To crack out later. Yeah, sure. sure. But I mean, you've got like a, a couple weeks to do so. Why sure. not? You yeah. know. Yeah. You store a little bit each day. That starts adding up. Yeah. Um,
1: but that's what you do. So yeah.
0: And then, of course, the long breather is where you can spend your advancements to improve your abilities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this very fluid sense of time of just what does it need to be? Mm-hmm. What is the storyteller going to set it as? What does the scene demand? Right.
1: You know, And if you note, nowhere in here are we talking about balance.
0: Yeah. It's not
1: necessary.
0: Yeah, because it's more it's more about the story than it is about any numbers or anything like that.
1: You yeah. know? Your character may be advancing. Like, another character may be just holding on to all their advancements to sure. become a Mistborn. Mm-hmm. That's one of their goals. So it's like, as a player, their character might be, I want to be the best that I can be. So they're learning and exploring and, and waiting for that, that moment that might birth them. Yeah. You know, because they're yeah. expecting it. Yeah. You know? But no other advancements happen. And in that case, they're, they're not going to be at the same level as everyone
0: else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Another another big area of focus in the game, uh, this gets a kind of an entire chapter in Mm -hmm. the running the game section, is about secrets. Secrets, Um, and just that secrets are kind of the fuel of play. Secrets, (laughs) secrets. I'm just going to keep doing this. Keep doing this. So, there's a little section in there, um, like what role that secrets play in the uh, in the story, Um, because they're kind of a tool
1: in social encounters. Yeah, because you can drop
0: secrets. On somebody or expose a secret? Sure, sure. Um, and and then there's a big section on how to employ secrets, uh, yeah. like as clues, mm-hmm. as special abilities, yep. you know, uh, like trump cards, as leverage mm-hmm. uh, against uh, against an opponent, um, as weapons. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Releasing a secret to humiliate somebody at a at a ball, you know, some something they don't want to get out as MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, if the secret of this ever happened, you know, ever ever, ever gets out, you know. Disaster will strike, so we have to guard it, and these other people want to know it, and there's your MacGuffin, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as turning points, you reveal a secret, and all of a sudden, it's a hard move that shifts the landscape for you. I mean... Because what you thought you knew before the secret is not what you know now.
1: Exactly. And But even as... Like, normally we don't think of information as a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. But this game, because it has social, because it has will, like, it is something that can be taken from you. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that's another
1: beautiful aspect
0: of it. I mean, you, got, you you got to remember, this is a world where you have the steel ministry, you know, uh, where you've got the, the obligators that are constantly the watchful eyes of the Lord Ruler. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you wonder why mm-hmm. mistings that can burn ATM disappear in the night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because information like that is a uh, – it's, it's a weapon, and it's strictly controlled by people with power. You know? Yeah. How do you think the nobles stay nobles and the ska stay ska? You don't think the ska outnumber the nobles? Yeah. But why are they still under the nobles' thumb? Why are they st- why is why is after a thousand years the final empire the same way?
1: Because they learned.
0: Because they learned. Because everything is controlled and information is dangerous and information is power. Is power. Yeah. 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 Okay. You don't think a ska isn't
1: selling information to make their life better? Oh, sure. Sure, absolutely. Yep, and betters in quotes. Yeah.
0: Uh, so you asked, uh, what does the game teach us?
1: Yeah, and I wanted to put this in before we even get into final thoughts. So the game, as far as I can tell, and the way that I read it mechanically from just the book because I haven't read the books, like the, the, the actual mm-hmm. uh, uh, n- t- true narrative behind this, I feel like it's deadly for a reason.
0: Oh, it is. It is. Like,
1: Literally, there's the MacGuffin object in the game, this uh, atem, ATM. ATM, yep, that is unequivocally a, a plasma cannon. It's like, an I win card, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the trump card, it's the I win card, it's the whatever it needs to be effectively to basically stop whatever bullshit is going to happen. Mm-hmm. To be used on either side at the appropriate time, but regardless, it is deadly. And deadly is a strong D. It's, it's the, I move faster than you, therefore I, or I see what you're doing, therefore I can stop you.
0: Yeah. And that is deadly. Yeah. With a capital T. Uh, and, I mean, you you consider some of the other aspects that are in this game, too. I mean, the Steel Inquisitors, like I said, are very comparable in, in, in narrative sense to, like, the agents from the mm-hmm. Matrix. If you see one, just run. Yeah. Because they are that deadly. Per- they... Be prepared that they're not for you. Well, hemallergic spikes that allow them to use both Allomancy and yeah, and enhanced physical stats on top of that, they are scary.
1: Yeah, they can literally just hulk out and be better than you at everything you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. With, um, with no rational thought behind it. Yes, and uh, just pure malice behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and fanatical devotion to the Lord Ruler. <laughs> uh <laughs> but you, so you've got it's a world that includes that mm-hmm. it's a world that includes um like one of your more common mistings is called a coin shot yeah uh they use uh iron to push metal mhm and when i say they can push metal i don't mean like oh little telekinetic nudges no i mean they are called coin shots because they take coins which are metal objects and propel them at essentially railgun speeds. They're magneto. They're magneto. They are. They are essentially the firearms of this setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the example of physical combat in the book, mm-hmm. um, there's a moment where there's a guard that is fleeing, and one of the hypothetical players asks the storyteller, "What is the wall made of that this guard is behind?" And he says, uh, "I don't know. It's wood, maybe." He says, "Okay." If I'm burning tin, which enhances my my senses, can I sense just by hearing where his footfalls are where behind that wooden wall that guard is? And the storyteller goes, "Okay, I'll allow it if you're burning only if you're burning tin." This mm-hmm. is okay, cool. I'm a coin shot, so uh, I'm just gonna put you know a handful of coins through the wooden wall and try to kill the guard. Because we need to stop him. That is the velocities that coin, Quen- <laughs> that you know, that iron can push. You know, uh, metal at. Yeah, it's it's effectively
1: using a you know an M sixteen and spraying the wall. It is,
0: it is. But so you know, you consider that like this is a setting where we don't have we don't have gunpowder, but we still have firearms. Mm-hmm. They're just called alamancers in this. Well, and know? the other thing is, is that
1: somebody pushes something at you, you can push back, but there's effects. It's mm. it's neat. But again, still capital D deadly. Yeah. Like you're going to
0: have problems. <laughs> um uh Heatsink uh Sean puts in the uh, in the live chat uh force equals mass times acceleration squared is still in play for pushers and pullers. That is true. That uh, is true. And and that is that is true. There's a uh uh a whole Thing about pushing and pulling that has to do with the mass of the objects that you're pushing and pulling relative to your own yeah so if you try to push something that's bigger than you you push yourself off of it right and if you try to pull something that's bigger than you you just move towards or if it. it's well anchored yeah yeah, yeah. um because if it's if it's anchored to you like so ripping a padlock off of a wall mm-hmm. if it's anchored to the wall you're just pulling yourself towards the wall because it essentially has that mass with it you right know?
1: Or I had come up with the, or I was talking where like something, somebody flings a coin at you and you push the coin that's being
0: flung at you, you could propel yourself. Yeah, you could out because, a window or because something. you've already got all that velocity heading towards you. Right. And now you're pushing off of it. So, yeah. It's, yeah. Plus, if they're still pushing, mm, they might get flung as well. Yeah, there's there's some interesting physics puzzles that you can do with Allomancy. But it's all narrative. It really – it's, it's all great. flexible. It's great. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons why, like, I didn't get into the magic system because mm-hmm. the magic system is um written directly almost into the world building. They don't talk about the magic. They talk about the metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I mentioned before, you, you don't have mages, like nobody's going to use the word magic. You just have elements, you mm-hmm. know, it's just a thing you can do. Nobody is got a big gray beard. Nobody's wearing a pointy hat, yep, yep. waving their fingers around, casting spells. These aren't spells. Mm-hmm. They're just physical abilities. Uh, I, I know Bob and Tom, Bob can burn copper. It's just a thing Bob does. Mm-hmm. Cool. Bob is a smoker because that's what we know coppers, copper burners by. Mm -hmm. They're called smokers or copper clouds because they can hide other elements near them. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, we call we call John a coin shot because he burns iron and can shoot quarters across the room and, and kill people. Sh- can shoot quarters across the room and kill people. Like it's just a thing they do. Right. You know, it's not magical spells. And so when they start to, in 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 the game, the game handles them essentially just like an attribute just like everything else. So I might have, you know, physique of 4, uh wits of 5 and um, you know, whatever else, and I might have pewter of 3. Okay. And that's just it. Anything that I can burn pewter for, I can just use that rating, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I want to use my pewter to enhance my physical strength. Cool. Add your three to your physique. Mm -hmm. Done. Yep. Simple. It's just that simple. So.
1: All right. So the second thing, which I'll go back to, which we were talking about injuries, was burdens. Burdens. Okay. And I felt that because burdens. Hard burdens like the the top end burdens yeah, sure can only be recovered by the one thing that you get to advance your character effectively you have to spend XP we'll yeah. use that term to get rid of it. that right now that tells me that they're important to the story. yeah not only do you yeah, so. can you gain advancements by affecting someone else's burden mm-hmm. like if I've got an NPC and he's got a wound on his leg that we gave him two scenes ago. And I grind into it during the attack and, like, remind him of what he's done. Yeah. And the people, like, that'll give me an advancement. Yeah. The storyteller would be like, wow, that was dark. Here's your advancement. Yep. And it's like, okay, that right there being written in, not unlike drama dice in 7C. Like, mm-hmm. you do something heroic, you get a drama die. If you make everyone laugh and you get a drama die. That teaches you about drama dice and why they're important in the game and how you can spend them. Sure. This literally tells
0: you mess with people. Yeah show their problems um because it's a game um not necessarily about murder you know Mm -hmm. i mean like sure killing happens and stuff like that but this is a game that involves a robust social combat system a game that involves a robust mental combat system um and uh a lot of like some some of your alamancy abilities, your your uh, your rioters and your soothers can mm-hmm. manipulate emotions and stuff like that. Like there's a very heavy social aspect of this game where you've got nobles you have, having their their balls and their soirees and stuff like that. You know, um, and so there is a de-emphasis on kill away your problems.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, killing is a solution, I suppose. It's, it's too easy as well, but it's more a game of creating advantages yeah okay um i'm gonna spoil a brief small plot point for the first book that gets handed to you very very early in the story okay like first five chapters okay spoilers you will will learn this yeah um but like the first book is a character creating a crew and they're like okay what are we up to and he says we're gonna topple the, the lord ruler and end the final empire. And they're like, haha, okay, Kelsier's off his meds again. Mm-hmm. Cool, what are we really doing? And he's like, no, we're toppling the final empire.
1: Yeah, that's that's our goal. That's that's our goal. I'm done with this crap.
0: And you don't do that by just being like, okay, cool, how big of a magic sword do we need to kill the Lord Ruler? Yeah. Like, it's not what it's about. You've I gotta... mean, eventually that's probably the goal to kill him, but like... You've got to create advantages. You've got to manipulate people. You've got to move pawns on the chessboard to make favorable situations that even getting that far is possible.
1: Right. And you can't just tear everything away. yeah, A vacuum is
0: terrible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the whole system of creating burdens um, via doing damage to your opponents through social means or mental means or even physical means... Um creates advantages that are exploitable, mm-hmm. things that will last, things that you can work into yep. and manipulate and diminish your opponents without having to entirely kill them or something like that, which is a pretty high profile thing, you know, yeah,
1: but it definitely teaches you what this game is trying to do, yes, exactly, all right, let's get some closing thoughts before we get to these questions. All or right unless you want to do the questions before the closing thoughts
0: uh no let' closing thoughts real quick,
1: okay, so. What does Mistborn do well? I think because you've read the books, I'm going to give you that one.
0: Uh, I will say it absolutely. To me, feels like Mistborn. Okay, um, that's the biggest thing. Metals are just part of the culture. Um, they they go out of their way to say like, yeah, magic is just a word we use in the book. Uh, it's nothing you would ever hear a person say. There's no magic versus marshals. Like, okay. um, a- everybody who can use allomancy is balanced essentially just against everybody who can't and such mm-hmm. like that. Um, they 're just extra things you can do they 're okay. tools yeah. um and, I mean, aside from just the system feeling like it, the game just feels like it. There's the emphasis on social combat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like I've, I've I've talked about a lot of this before, but, like, it really, really does feel like the books. Every time I saw an example of gameplay in there, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that one scene from the books. Yep. I remember now. <laughs> that was the one guy from the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy from the books. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, I, I will say to to the, the social aspect is that I feel after reading this... I understand what Dune was trying to accomplish with their social better. Yeah, it's different, but I understand it better. Yeah, because of this. Yeah, definitely. I think they they iterated through the turns and through the way that they communicated it and through the way that they described the use of tools and extras and things like that. It is it is complex. But not nearly as complex as some other social systems and
0: how they work with them. I found it very manageable.
1: Yeah. Very I, manageable. It's, it, I would still say, for a social system, which is, again, super hard to do, mm-hmm. it, they did it exceptionally well, probably the best that I've seen so far.
0: All right. All right. And, and um, that's saying something, because you're, the, you're the, the social system guy.
1: Yeah. And the fact that you reading through this was like, this, this is a game that is the books that I read. Like, yeah, this is well laid out. Mm-hmm. I was able to follow everything. Yep, and pick up on the things that you've told me about the books while reading through it. Yeah, yeah, nothing felt out of place. Nothing felt like extra weight was thrown in a direction because it's more game-like. You know. Yeah,
0: and I, and I think that's that's the other thing too is that the book itself is very complete. Um, it it's a thick book. It's a chunky boy. It is. Like, a, it's it what, is six hundred-ish. Almost pages almost six hundred pages. Um and uh but it it does a great job of describing all the world building for you it goes uh through every single system it goes through all the metals um it's got a, a rogues gallery at the end so even if you're looking for like hey what can kelsier do what can vin do the two main characters from the from the first book you know yeah um it gives you those uh characters uh not only as um you know possible playable Templates or something like that if you wanted to retell the Mistborn stories from mm-hmm. the books, but also as benchmarks of, like, okay, I know how powerful Kelsier was in the books narratively, mm-hmm. but what does it look like on paper so I can judge that?
1: Yeah, you know? And then what do other people look like? Give, yeah. Give me a cadre of other things that I can quickly glance at. So effectively, give like— you a cadre of people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's—I I liked that. And again, I'm going to say it again. The book is beautiful. Yeah. It's the really PDF is fantastic. Really phenomenal. Yeah. If you want to see a very if, – if you're making a good game system and you want to see a good PDF of a game system, go find this one.
0: All right. So enough fangirling over that. Sure. What does Mistborn not do well? Where, where, where did it fall short for you?
1: Okay. I'm, I'm not going to say I, – I can't immediately say that it doesn't do it well. Okay. Um, but I can say that people who need rules and structure may find this challenging. They may see it as something that has rules and structure, but it it quickly falls away to narrative. I agree. And and, and a lot of you know, oh yeah, it, it feels like it should be Savage World, but it still doesn't have hard mechanics that are that, you know it, it's it's sitting in an odd position. And if you look at it and you're like, oh, it's just like Savage Worlds, and you present it like Savage Worlds, you're going to have some players who are thinking the mechanics are going to be as hard as Savage
0: Worlds Yeah,
1: and find that there's a lot more iffy.
0: There's, there's a healthy peppering of fate and uh, uh, powered by the apocalypse in here oh, very where there's much so. a lot of things that are defined as whatever the storyteller decides the narrative should be, Yeah, whatever's narratively appropriate. Yeah. Um and, and it works in the system. That's not a complaint that they did that. Correct. But understand that some people need rules and structure mm-hmm. um to function in their games and things like whatever the narrator narrator feels like are not words that they
1: Setting like. Setting random difficulty levels that are kind of there. Yeah. Or not even. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna make you roll for any of this because it's pointless. Mm-hmm. And we're not dealing with a challenge. Like, now that person's like, ooh, but, like, this is what my character does. Yeah. You're really good at it, so we're not even going to roll. Yep. Let's just keep going. Yep. You know, or people who need the mechanics because they're not good at role-playing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's that.
1: They want to sit in the room and roll dice and be a druid, but they don't want to talk. They want to be, like, explore their character that much. This isn't their game. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you really have to understand that to be able to step into it. Um. I think one of the things it has that is beautiful, but at the same time challenging, but not nearly as challenging, is the terms and colloquialisms that it uses, like cyberpunk. <laughs> like literally, we were having the conversation, and you were talking about coin shots, tot- and smokers, smokers, and-, and things, and all I could think about was this that sh- Joel Haver video yes. that I like, it was- which is which is where it's like every zombie. <laughs> These damn. Term- bouncers yeah. oh, i'm sick of all these tweakers my i got ran by it down by one of them joggers because he's he ran right past me he's and then jogging yeah <laughs> my wife got killed by a, a screamer yeah was just screaming the whole time <laughs> you know i i just wish that the you know that the, the undead society would have given us a name for these for, for the dead come back to they life like, to haunt us
0: but in that mean in the meantime, we have to deal with these walkers. Exactly,
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's but that's the thing, but at the same time, like you said, I'd say ninety five percent of the time, it makes sense what the colloquialism
0: is. Right. The colloquialisms I find actually help mm-hmm. because they tell you exactly what the metal does. Like right. oh, this guy burns iron, he's a coin shot. Cool. What does iron do, Rob? It clearly allows you to shoot
1: metal objects Which, at
0: things. Yeah, pushes. specifically right. coins. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um Oh, so copper. Copper is called smokers. What do they do? Uh,
1: make some kind of a uh, b- block. Of uh, some s-
0: kind smoke screen. Yeah, there uh, you go. To hide aliments, yeah. You can't. You can't detect alimentsy. Um, and then their opposite are called seekers, who can detect elements You know, but it, it, the colloquialisms make sense.
1: Yeah, they lean into it. It's not like, it, it's not as bad as some others. And I, I, mean, I will go to uh cyberpunk type terms oh yeah you know where some of them kind of make sense like stuffer shacks and chummers and things like that but at the same point like other ones just lean hard into yeah. like a quasi fantasy trope that's weird.
0: I was playing I mean and I get I get that it's realistic and that the slang would look completely different in 2077, which I love. Like, which I love. I get that. But like I was playing Cyberpunk 2077 and like I mean, "Hello, how are you doing today, my friend?" is like a completely alien sentence that like you need subtitles to understand, you know.
1: I watched the uh, the end of Cyberpunk. I, I don't have it, but mm. I wanted to see how the end of the story goes because apparently there's a couple different versions of it. Sure. And just listening to the chummer speak, that you know, uh, that your your the characters go back and forth, really was like, oh my god, like I can follow this, but holy crap, yeah, yeah, like it's an undertone of an underspeak, but it's cool, like it does get you into the setting. But at the same time I can I can feel people like misusing it but I think in this they probably would lean into it.
0: In the in the books there's a uh there's a character named Spook uh, okay. who uses um Eastern dominant slang okay. uh, constantly and he's exactly that type of character like main main characters who grew up in Luthadel uh like sit there and go like what did he just say did, yeah. did, did do we have a translation for that either? yeah <laughs>
1: Yep. no and that that's cool that's cool but I, I think that's. I think you can lean into it more or less, and really make it. But at the same time, it's a thing that can be challenging. Yeah,
0: agreed. Agreed. That there's um, a lot of a lot of vocabulary to learn for the game.
1: But I think I think one of the things that it doesn't do well is that it presents itself in many ways as a this or a that, and constantly says it's narrative heavy. Mm-hmm. And yet, there's still a decent amount of mechanics that is presented to you enough that you have to follow. To keep everybody on the same page, so you have to kind of make sure your players are prepared at whatever level you decide as the narrator that it's going to be presented.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I do. There, it is a thick book for a reason. There yeah. are there are a decent number of rules, and I think it follows Savage Worlds in that it is a mechanics or sorry, a rules light mechanics heavy game. Yes. Um, in that you only need to know essentially basic die rolls and how to add it. two numbers together you yeah. know um you only need to know one six-sided die you know you don't have multiple even multiple different sides or anything like that um
1: and one math equation of look for pairs look for pairs that's Hi- the highest pair yeah out of that yeah. um
0: but beyond that though there are a lot of like little rules for like okay this is how you do these types of contests this is how you do this type of conflict this is how you do right. this um The good news, I think, though, is that there's a lot of information, and there's three different magic systems in the game, Mm -hmm. but any character will only ever need to know one, and possibly only one aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like, a Misting doesn't need to know what every metal does. They need to know what their metal does. Right. You know? A Keeper doesn't even need to know what Almancy does. Just that it is. They just need to know what their metal mines, what what ferrochemies they have. Right. You know? Um... And so and hemalurgy uh typically like unless unless you've got imbued powers hemalurgy just gives you bonuses mm-hmm. like stats you know so so but I think from a
1: player's aspect that makes it easier I think from a narrator's narrative's aspect and a storyteller's aspect it makes it more challenging
0: it's a little more challenging yeah there's a lot of different options and stuff like that a lot of a lot of unforeseen circumstances
1: and it can That's make you thinking. feel like it's unbalanced right off the bat yeah, sure. like I would not I, I would imagine that if we went to the uh, DM's academy for Mistborn, the RPG, if there was one, mm-hmm. the things of, my characters are just ruining the game. They're like overpowerful powerful they all wanted to be Mistborns, and they're just walking over all of my stuff that I put yeah, in front of them.
0: I can imagine. I, I, I Sure, can imagine. they're heroic. Great, yeah. If you, if you allowed them all to be Mistborn, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah that's not a rounded crew. That yeah. is literally just a, a walking
1: wall of monsters. One in
0: ten thousand people is a uh, is is a, is a Mistborn,
1: but they're all in your crew. That's right, and they're all kicking a bunch of butt. You mm-hmm. know, great. So they're they're murder hobos. Yeah. in a different world. Yeah. Fantastic. I think that's great. Do they work for the God Emperor <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> secretly? Is that what they're really doing? Um. So yeah, that's the, the, the I, I could see that happening. Like uh and again I, I still think it follows the same rules. So Yeah, exactly. Let's hit speaking of some additional questions, um and, and rules, uh why don't you grab one?
0: All right, so uh Nevin asked a couple questions here. Um I'm gonna kinda roll through because they 'cause they're they're short questions and I Excuse me. I'm sorry. I feel like we've we've touched on a couple sure. of these before. Um So Nevim asks, uh, does the magic system, in the RPG, reflect the system in the books? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's really great. In fact, when I was originally reading the books, I I thought like this is kind of a – it feels a little gamified. Hmm. Um. So I think it was very easy to translate over. Um. But it's a very interesting system. Uh. So uh. You know, for for what it's worth.
1: Yeah. What are the hit and miss of the system?
0: I think we we touched on that with the uh, yeah. the um. Uh, what do we do well and what don't we do well here yeah. um and do you have uh do you have to read the novels to understand the universe, or does the game give you enough information? <laughs> I feel like the game gives you enough information, but there is no substitute for reading the books the bo- reading the books will immerse you in the world and give you a very vivid picture, whereas I feel like the the r p g is just going to describe it to you. I feel like it does a good job describing it, but it's I don't feel like it's a replacement for reading the books.
1: I agree. I completely agree. I would, uh, I, I, the other thing I would, I would lean into on that is there are a lot of places in the book that says like, Oh, go read this, this, this section of my, of the books Mm -hmm. and of this book. And it's like,
0: well, okay, no, to be fair, it doesn't say go read this. It just says like this, there's a lot of information to put out here. If you want to know more yeah. You can find it in chapters one, three, two, you know, seven, fourteen, yeah. thirty-two. <laughs>
1: yeah, of this book. And and, and in that sense, I, I get it. I, I see where they're leaning. So, but uh, for the most part, like I was able to get through without having to read the books at all. Yeah, yeah. I think, and yeah, and pretty, understood pretty the world very well, very yeah. well. So, Knox asks, uh, are there some ways to make every player feel useful in scenes with their skills when not every scenario allows for it? It seems like a few class, a few of the classes, and I'll put that in quotes. Especially smokers. i right back to that again. Mm-hmm. Needs certain if then conditions for them to use their skill set, lest they just stand there. Uh, yes, you could obviously do a thing and it involves a seeker for them to handle this, but isn't that kind of a boring and predictable thing?
0: So my answer is twofold here. Okay. Um, so first off. Uh, I'll I'll start with the with your last question first. Um, yeah, you could do the obvious thing and have a seeker involved in the scene, to offset the smoker because the smoker hides elementic powers. The seeker tries to find them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A seeker is a hard counter. The smoker is a hard counter to a seeker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, isn't that kind of boring and predictable? Um, it is predictable. But be- that, but it's planned. not boring. It's just good tactics. Like any noble who has a retinue of of mistings, um, or possibly a mistborn or two, uh, around them to do whatever it is they're doing is gonna have a seeker. Mm-hmm. Whether it's part of the family or whether they're on hire,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay, they're going to have a seeker. Like, that's just good tactics.
1: I mean, that fits any game system. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sorry, if in Shadowrun, when you're going to go against a high-tech corporation, they're going to have high-tech surveillance and drone systems and backup systems. Yeah. And their own set of hackers and things like that, depending on what level of crap you're going up against.
0: Exactly. Now, is it boring and predictable to bring a hacker when you know they're going to have their own counter-hackers? Okay. Uh, n- no, I mean I think it's part of the story. Yeah. You know I think I think the reason you bring a smoker, I think the reason you make a smoker in the first place is because you're making your crew to offset possible threats in the future. Yep. And seekers are a threat. Yep. Um. So I think your smoker is doing exactly what they signed up for. Um. Or they wouldn't have made a smoker.
1: So then I guess the second part of that question is, is how, how do you how people... do you make people feel useful? I go back to Savage Savage World setting. And describe it in that sense is that – and that – the way that this system kind of does that, which is you are not a one-trick pony. Yeah. You're you not just a smoker. Of, you plan, you are not a classed smoker. That's
0: not your class. So let me no. – uh, I, I can speak directly to the books here. Okay? Mm-hmm. So Breeze is a soother. He's one of my favorite characters in the entire – Emotional? Year. Yeah. So, I mean, again, yep, it works. Yep. He suppresses emotion. Mm-hmm. Um and what you can do with that too, like if you suppress all emotions except rage, mm-hmm. well, what are you feeling right now? Rage, rage, yeah. exactly. It's pretty easy. So you can kind of reverse engineer being a rioter <laughs> if you do it right. Um, and S- uh, Breeze is a master manipulator.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I mean, even though he was a soother savant, like he was one of the best soothers in in all of all of the Final Empire. Um, he was also. An excellent con man, mm-hmm. um, played the noble to the T, right. Was instantly accepted in high society, you know, for his for his for his uh, the way he he held himself and stuff like that. Um, amazing con man, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a valuable part of the of the crew. And if you cut off all of his powers, what would Breeze do? Breeze would still do the same damn thing. He would, he would drink wine. He would talk crap, and He'd still be just as good. And he would be just as good. Um, he may not be able to bend people quite as hard, but all those foundational skills are there. He still has the respect exactly so and you know just because you 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 put points into being a misting or something like that doesn't mean you don't have like i said earlier like massive resources, you might be the money behind things you mm-hmm. know you might be the face, you might be the muscle you yeah. know If if you're you're a pewter arm, okay, sure, you burn pewter to be stronger and more you know physically resilient and stuff like that. But like even without that I'm sure you know how to swing a sword.
1: Yeah, cuz you still got to know how to swing a sword even without the pewter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So I I really think that, you know, uh your your presumption that if you're just going to sit there on your hands is uh I don't know, mis, misplaced a little bit. You can you there's so much more to a person than their power. Okay.
1: So Heatsig has an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, the Mistborn Adventure game suggests the group be a crew and implies the, and suggests, I think that word suggests needs to be in high quotes because it's required almost, uh, implies that it should be an Ocean Elevens type shenanigans. Does the book have any tips or tricks on how to run a heist or an intrigue style game? I will say it does, but it doesn't say that it's a heist or an intrigue style game. Yeah. Um, it is explicitly put in there in the narration of how to run the game.
0: Intrigue and, style, I would say yes. Heist, mm, no.
1: No. It's, but it can be mm-hmm. within that without a doubt. And I, I will flat out say the game. the game does, the books do have it. Again, they don't paint it as heist. They don't paint it as intrigue. They paint it as, you have a goal, and these are the kinds of things that will happen to achieve that goal. Yes. Let's go through that. Yes. I think by having the crew and having the crew have a common goal other than, let's make lots of money. You know, that's a goal, sure.
0: All right. Let's go steal an ATM mine.
1: Yeah. Like, th- there are things, but that still doesn't put it in a good perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, shadow runners are there for the money but sometimes there's something more behind
0: it. Well, that's that's why you have things like your tragedy and your destiny. Exactly. Everybody has their reasons for doing the thing that they want. And and they don't even ask it like what's your, you know, what is your tragedy? They ask what's the worst thing that's happened to your character. Yeah. That's what your tragedy is, but it's how they phrase the question. Right. Not you know, like if you were to say the the worst thing that's ever happened my character is I was broke. Right. I mean, I'm sure that that's that's very bad. Don't right. get me wrong, but like we're looking for like I was to- tossed in the pits of half sin you know right f- you know for for several years, my wife was killed right in front of me, you know those right. those sort of tragic my things. children like,
1: were taken away from me right yeah.
0: right, like who do you want vengeance against? what right. is your goal? never ever to be trounced like that again like okay. cool, money is a means to an end, right, but like what drives you,
1: yeah, exactly, uh. and I think that uh by by that, you are creating this team that is. Not even necessarily all, like, there's a trust level between them mm-hmm. because of a common goal, and that trust keeps getting built because the common goal is still there. Exactly. You have to have that common goal, and everyone has to be sold on that common goal, and I think that right there creates a special kind of investment in a game. Sure. Especially for the players and the characters. Mm-hmm. The second part of this is do you two have any advice on how to, uh, uh, of your own, for running this style of play? My first thing is lean into what the game is asking to do which is get a crew and build the crew as it should be but even like characters concepts can be there but the thing is is that the crew needs to have that common goal they need to have a mission and at that point you can craft a story around that mission the world is there there's all kinds of stuff available to you. Don't try and craft an elaborate plot and then throw these people into it. Right, right. That is not the way this game is meant to be run. It is meant to be run in a, not necessarily in a sandbox way, but to a sandbox level. Meaning, I have five players. These are the, you know, they want to create a crew, but they all are agreeing that we they want to, you know, f- they want to free a bunch of people, you know, free a bunch of Sky and start a rebellion against a noble house maybe one of the players has a really cool backstory about losing their home and being you know shunned shunned as a noble Mm -hmm. and they want to get their standing back and get that guy yep yep sure that is fantastic the whole group is behind it for their own independent reasons but that is a story great as a narrator lean into it that's their story don't go take them in another path
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but there's a lot you can do with that all kinds of stuff agreed uh, I, th- I think any advice I would have about running uh, a heist or an intrigue style game uh, is already being done very well by Mistborn. Yeah. Um, like, I think that the fact that you start by creating the crew and then roll into character creation is probably my biggest piece of advice if you want to run a heist or, or, or intrigue style game. is Make sure that you act as a cohesive unit first and then create the individually, individuality of your character second. To make sure that you can pull off a crew style game like Leverage or Ocean's Eleven. yeah.
1: And I dare say that if you are going to run a game, especially like a one shot or something uh-huh. where there's nothing to say that you couldn't have a bunch of pregens and actually do in media res, meaning you could say you guys have been together for several months. You've pulled a couple small things here and there to get yourself to this point where you all feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So you have history. And, and lean into some other things that other systems do well with the bonds and stuff of just discussion between each other meta so that you're ready to go and rolling versus you're a bunch of first-level people all being called on an adventure and you have no trust between you. Yeah, agreed. Or agreed. or a
0: common reason. I think everything leans into that design. Agreed. Uh, and the last question, uh, what is your favorite thing about the system? Um, I think the, uh, the, the metals system, like it's how – how the rules translate from what was written in the book into the rules for the magic systems um, is amazing. Okay. Absolutely amazing. And I found myself, while reading, thinking, wow, that'd be a cool power to have. And then I'd flip to the next metal, and I'd be like, wow, that'd be a cool power to have. i flipped flip to the next metal, wow, that'd be a cool power to have. And I think if you can inspire me on a page-by-page basis, <laughs> I think you're doing something right there. I, think, I never once looked at it and went, ah, really, guys? You know?
1: I think for me it was the, the, the fact that the design of the conflict system could work across all aspects of conflict. Yeah. Physical, mental, social. And that a player only needs to understand the basics of it. What's my pool? I roll. That's it. And that was, like, that was my close second. And, and yeah. looking at that made me understand how to handle social stuff in systems. And that this feels very accessible as a storyteller from a mechanical aspect. It is it is achieving something that, that allows accessibility for players who are not... Players, not characters. Players mm-hmm. who are not socialites. Yeah. To be socialite in a game... Where the mechanics are the same as the fighters. Yes. Yes. And they roll the same style dice. They play the same game. They get the same. And they just. They they can narrate as little as they need to for their approach to explain Mm -hmm. it. And get a nice result and have a beautiful story. And still be just as engaged as someone who is a super fighter. And wants to dramatically explain everything they're doing. Yeah. They can have that, and I love that accessibility of the mechanics.
0: It is, it is just as valid, uh, like the, the example of social combat gameplay, it's like it's just as valid to go in there and be like, I'm going to talk crap about our target, and uh, I'm going to burn zinc so that I'm going to riot their emotions and make, make people really riled up about how bad bad people they are. Great. Okay, cool. Roll social damage.
2: Yeah, let's you know, do this thing.
0: Just do some character
1: assassination, oh, you know. Oh, you you got a couple nudges out of that. All right. All um, oh, right, they take 4
0: social damage, which is also a yeah. strong burden. So
1: what uh what secret did you find out about him through that? Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Um he's got terrible gas. All right. <laughs> All and right. You, you've he's just now known found as the dude with gas. You, you now know secretly that every time he's ever had a lover, all of his lovers have said that they will never return to him because his flatulence is horrific. Yep. There you go. There and you go. Like, now you have a secret. You're like, oh, that's a terrible thing. But, like, it's what they created. Yeah. And as a narrator, you can expand on it. And they just gave you everything they needed to do that. Yep. And there's not a lot of systems that give that grace to people who don't have the oratory sitting at a table. Sure. Sure. I love that. I uh, that. That is a spark for me. So –
0: all right. Well, we have gone oh, well over. an hour, hour and 47 minutes here. We uh, did it they, but But I think we did, we did it justice, and I think we're both very excited about this game system and about the world that it presents. So I think uh, I think it needed a little breathing room. Uh, next week's topic is uh, just going to be things we wish we knew as a new storyteller. Um, this is going to be kind of uh, touching on some of the 101 stuff. Uh, We've but... done this before, but, like, I think it's a good time to come back to it because I think
1: just because of all these system spotlights, it's kind of exposed more of us.
0: Yeah, we've we've learned a lot about uh, about different gaming systems, and I think that's a uh, valuable information to pass on. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram at st underscore conclave listen to us live every wednesday night at 7 p.m eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and uh join us on our discord shoot us some questions just like uh heat sink knocks in the box and nevum did uh so we can answer those on the air for always you always appreciate you them. can find that link on our twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com
1: we'd like to thank our patreon members who support us every single month especially our name members knocks in the box subject sam the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We always appreciate that. Our pre show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreoncom slash Anthems. Our intro music is "Beyond the Warriors" by Geefrog. You can find that at Geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is only "Our Footprints in the Sand" by Midair Machine. You can find that at FreeMusicArchive.org.
0: And big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting thank you, us. Thank All you. All of our friends have sat with us at our tables over the years. A uh, uh, big shout out to uh, Knox in the box and uh, Sean for introducing me to Miss in the first place. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good
1: night.